Good morning. This is Babs Rolls Ivy. This is the Love Babs Love Talk. This is the talk part of that. And in the studio with me today is Samaya. Hi. Good morning. From Sanctuary Kitchen. Who They were on the front page of the register yesterday. So I'm so excited to be talking to her. Um, Sanctuary Kitchen is at City Seed. Yes. So, all right. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. Okay. So now, why Sanctuary Kitchen? Why Sanctuary Kitchen? Well, the first thing is uh, because we, at City Seed, um, one of the goals of City Seed is to provide uh, economic, uh, sorry, food security, mm-hmm. um, promote food, local food access, um, and uh, provide, you know, a wide variety of um, food options okay. for New Haven. Yep. And Sanctuary Kitchen is a direct has a direct connection in that we are providing some economic opportunities for our local refugees. We are providing uh, cultural opportunities for local New Haven residents to learn about mm-hmm. um, the, our newest neighbors, uh, new immigrants, new refugees who have resettled in uh, in the greater New Haven area. So we are promoting diversity, cultural understanding, while highlighting the culinary skills of our refugee cooks in economically viable opportunities. Okay. Okay, so break that down for me, girl. Break it down. (laughs) What does that mean? What does that mean? So uh, Sanctuary Kitchen hosts a number of events. Yes. We provide, uh, we host cooking classes and cooking demonstrations that are led by our refugee cooks. And who are these refugees? Like, tell me some of the places they're from. So we have refugees from uh, mostly from Syria, but mm-hmm. also from Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, the Congo, Sudan, Eritrea, um, Iran, and we are also seeking out new immigrants from our Spanish-speaking countries like mm-hmm. Colombia and Cuba and Mexico. And everybody's getting along. Yes. Wow. Yes, they are. Because food is the universal bonding. Definitely. Mechanism, There's right? a common language when people enjoy good food together mm-hmm. and are experiencing a meal together. Um, so we have these classes that um, our cooks uh, lead. So we've done hands-on classes where individuals can come and attend and participate in learning a specific dish from a specific country. Okay, you have to get right up. Yeah. Or I know. <laughs> we also do cooking demonstrations, which uh-huh. is more like a cooking show where okay. the audience can watch a meal being prepared. Um, but in both aspects, everyone comes together at the end to enjoy the food that's been created. Um, so that's one of our first programs. Our second is that we lead uh, supper clubs around. New yes, Haven. that's what I'm trying to get to one of those. Yeah, and yes. it's different than a catered event. Um, mm-hmm. We do have our refugee cooks prepare the meal, but then they join 
the guests in a kind of more intimate setting. It's a smaller group of individuals uh, to get to know each other mm-hmm. over the meal. So uh, they learn about the food, they learn about each other, they share stories. Um, and it's a great opportunity for um, to to get more familiar with each other in a smaller group in a more intimate setting um, while enjoying you know these amazing meals that our cooks uh, prepare. Um, and lastly, um, we partner with other organizations, other nonprofits, local businesses, um, community groups that are interested in hosting an event or collaborating on an event. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we um, had a, a World Refugee Day food bazaar at Arts and Ideas this summer. Yes. We had a pop-up restaurant with Atticus Cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done cooking demonstrations at various locations, um, including um, Yale's um, Office of Internationals. Uh, so how did you come to this, Maya? Like, how did you? Because this, this is a thing. This is it's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, how did you get to this? Did you dream this up? Did they come to you? How did you um, do this? So it came to me in a couple different um, venues. So um, I'm a registered dietitian. Oh, okay. I do cooking education. I might for, have to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a you know a background in doing cooking education in the community, public health uh, for the state as well, um, working with uh, SNAP recipients mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have this experience of you know, doing cooking classes and cooking demonstrations. Um, So with that experience, I was aware of City Seed having a commercial kitchen that Tegan um, helped create. Yes, she's a good Uh, friend of mine. Yeah, and she's my predecessor at City Seed. Yes. Um, And so I know that they have this place and that they host cooking classes where local chefs come in or other community groups come and, you know, offer these classes for the community. So with that in mind and knowing that New Haven is uh, has uh, a large population of refugees, in fact, Connecticut um, has the highest number of refugees per capita in the country really? as a state. Yes. Now that I did not know. Yes. Um, and, I, and I was hearing about other cities around the world um, offering these types of programs for their refugee population from cooking classes to culinary training, uh, supper clubs. Um, they're having all over in the U S in California and Washington, New York, as well as in England and Australia and Canada. Um, so I just, you know, I was reading about these events and these programs, uh, while this refugee crisis is happening, the war in Syria is happening. And I just, you know, I felt like this is the best place to combine all those um, aspects, meeting with Iris, meeting with City Seed, meeting with our local refugee population, and seeing if we can develop some type of mm-hmm. culinary program okay. uh, using these other models. Um, as far as I know, Sanctuary Kitchen kind of covers everything. Um, other programs, you know, focus on one aspect, like the supper club or culinary training. We kind of do it all. Okay. Uh, we do the cooking classes, we do the supper clubs, and we are about to uh, initiate a 10-week training program for four refugees or new immigrants who are interested in starting a food business. This is a pilot program that we have funding for from the International Association of New Haven. 
And right now we're in the process of reviewing applications from refugees who wow. want to start a food business. So like it could be like a food business, like a food truck or a restaurant or catering uh, business. Or catering or, or a food product that they can oh, sell at the farmer's market, which yeah. City Seed okay. manages. So they could apply to be a vendor uh, once they are able to take off. So we are going to be training them in a 10-week program uh, in the process of developing a food business. So licensing, food safety, marketing, um, I, you know, all the, the, going over all the food laws and the cottage laws that are involved. And then they leave with a, um, some seed money mm -hmm. to start um, their business. So when you started this, Samaya, uh, what was your expectation? Because I, I, I get the sense that it has far exceeded whatever yes. you imagined yes. it would be. <laughs> By far, it's been... The interest has been phenomenal. Um, and what we didn't anticipate was the community involvement in terms of other organizations and programs wanting to partner with us and put on events. Initially, we thought we would do, you know, the cooking classes. Mm -hmm. um, the supper club kind of got added in um, maybe like six months into it, mm -hmm. uh, into the planning. And um, so the kitchen incubation and that, thank you, um, the cooking classes were kind of our initial plans mm -hmm. um, and it has grown to include the supper clubs. And then now we do these one-off events um, almost once a month. Now, how, how old is this? How old is Sanctuary Kitchen? Uh, officially, we launched in April. Okay. So it's not even a year. No. Uh, we've been working on it for over a year uh -huh. uh, to get it off the ground. Um, and uh, we did kind of a soft opening in April over social media um, and we had our official launch last Sunday. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. I don't know. How did I miss that? I don't know how I missed that. So, so, uh, you bring these people together and they cook, they eat, they enjoy each other's company. Uh, what's next? We keep doing that. Keep and, doing and it. And expanding. Um, we, right this year we have, uh, money to cover for, possible food entrepreneurs okay. we hope to expand that next year mm -hmm. uh, with um to provide it for you know more uh, is it exciting to see these applications come in yes i mean everyone's eager and excited uh this is a way to empower our uh, new immigrants and refugees to become self-sufficient mm -hmm. um you know we we hope that sanctuary kitchen whether they're involved with a cooking class or a supper or the kitchen incubation that this is a stepping point for them to uh, other careers in the food business, um, but that we can facilitate that process. So, you know, whether it's providing them um, public speaking skills, uh, whether it's helping them with marketing, whether it's helping them with standardizing a recipe, mm -hmm. um, these are all tools that they can use uh, to find employment or create a career for themselves. After. Have you found the city to be welcoming? Absolutely. Really? Yes. I think so. New yes. Haven is a very welcoming. New Haven's an amazing city. It's yeah. a sanctuary city. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, people, you know, I think the response that we've gotten from the city and from the community is largely because of current politics, um, you know, with the talks of travel bans and, uh, you know, now we have the um, DACA being, you know, rescinded, um, you know, the local community is very aware and conscious about these issues and they are trying to stop it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to improve the situation. And by getting involved with Sanctuary Kitchen, it's a very tangible way to, at least on the ground, help individuals um, get settled, get be welcomed, to um, help them create networks, um, again, to become self-sufficient and um, to really thrive mm-hmm. um, here as new residents. I mean, do you have any... Uh- I, I would imagine that these times are quite stressful with all these kinds of conversations about rescinding DACA and <sighs> deporting yes. people and breaking up families and calling right. people illegal and, and right. all of this kind of stuff. So it's got to be a little, I mean, underneath all of this goodness, it's got to be a, a bit of stress with some of these folks feeling oh, like. absolutely. I mean, most of our, so refugees, uh, to even enter the U.S., they go through a very extensive vetting process that takes years. Most of them have left their home country several years ago and in, were uh, in refugee camps in other countries like Jordan or Pakistan or Turkey um, for several years before they get the permission to come here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go through extensive interviews, uh, background checks, and so forth. And then they get here... You know, most of them, the ones that we've worked with, have uh, arrived basically between now and 2016. And, you know, right when the travel ban was happening. And so all of them are were in the middle of it. Some of them were at the airport when that was happening and had to uh, either be turned back. Um, and after they had already, you know, planned and had gotten permission to come here, um, others were diverted um, from where they were supposed to arrive in one state and that was denied and then uh, Connecticut welcomed them. Um, So a lot of them were affected directly uh, in their travel to Mm -hmm. get here. Um, Others have been concerned about being deported or being sent back Mm -hmm. to a country that is not no longer home because of the war um, that they have no home there anymore. Um, So it's a very relevant them even though they are here as uh, refugee status which is different um and a lot like none of them have come here illegally or Mm -hmm. have you know cheated the system to get here there's Mm -hmm. you can't do that it's just not feasible and i think i think that's a good distinction to make in the sense that people sort of intertwine the 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 definitions for refugee and um, uh, immig- uh, illegal immigrants. I, don't, right. I just don't like that word. Yeah, I, I, just, I just don't. It just. I mean, they me. are all coming here for opportunity. Yes, you know, they. No one would leave their home willingly, unless they had to. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, whether they're immigrants or whether they're refugees or, you know, even you know Americans. Uh, you know, but you don't move or leave what you consider home, um, especially if you're coming from a happy home, um, unless there's something driving them yes, um, that they're fleeing or seeking. So um, to say that, you know, these com- they're coming here and taking our jobs or creating crime or, um, you know, ruining it for everybody else is just not true. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it has not been shown at all. Um, so... And, 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 you know, and that's one of the purpose of Sanctuary Kitchen. When you uh, meet with um, our cooks and eat with them, you see the human side of, mm-hmm. of them. You know, you can, you know, any 
concerns or pre, uh, um, you know, predisposed notions that you came into are immediately, um, you know, changed Mm -hmm. uh, because now you have a face, uh, a person in front of you who is sharing their story, um, who's sharing their dreams of their fam for their families and their children about education, about safety, about security. Um, and those are all dreams that everybody has. Yes. So I would imagine that, um, when they come together at Sanctuary Kitchen to cook, that that is uh, uh, familiar. Yes. It's a familiar sort of experience to sort of cook and be with people. And, and I bet you there is um, shared stories of, um, well, this is what we used to do when, when I grew up cooking and, and then somebody else over here would say, well, yes, we, we did this, that, and the other thing. And so you've got some... You know, let's try this. Let's do this right. kind of kind of thing, which I find exciting. Right. I mean, you know, um, participants and the cooks are sharing how they got into cooking, who mm-hmm. they learned from. Um, you know, what their their favorite memories of food, um, how they use food, whether it's you know, you know, to feed their families, whether it's to relieve stress, whether it's to. <laughs> Um, you know, come together uh, to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are all commonalities in every culture. Um, Everybody has some type of history or story or culture around food. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have holidays, we have uh, festivals, you know, family dinners. Those are all across the board. Mm -hmm. And the only difference is maybe the type of food that's being eaten. And when you experience that, when you taste another culture's food, uh, you are, um, you know, you're not just, just digesting the food, but you're, you know, learning and absorb, uh, absorbing part of that culture and yes. that experience. Yes. So tell me a little bit about you. Me? Like, how <laughs> did you become a, nu- a nutritionist, dietitian, mm-hmm. nu- mm-hmm. nutritionist? How, like, what's that story? Um, well, I'm a daughter of uh, immigrants from, uh, from India. Mm-hmm. And um, in Indian uh, or other South Asian um, cultures, especially a very familiar story of the South Asian immigrant experience is, you know, this desire for their children to uh, pursue education and be successful economically. And so there was always this um, motive or this encouragement, <laughs> a very strong encouragement to go into the sciences or engineering, uh, <laughs> maybe later, maybe law, um, you know, back in the uh, 70s and 80s. Um, so from a very young age, I was like very much ingrained, oh, I'm going to become a doctor, um, I'm going to go to med school. Um, and I held that kind of desire until college. Um, I did go into the sciences. Where'd you um, go to college? Um, so I was born and raised in California. Okay. So I went to college. At California East- girl. Yes. <laughs> Not your typical. Uh, I don't know what typical <laughs> is. I, listen. Or the stereotypical. Yes. Maybe, a vision. Um, so I was pre-med and learned very quickly that. Um, That's not what you wanted to exactly, do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but now how did your parents feel? Were they like. They were not happy. Um, <laughs> needless to say. But, um, you know, I stay, I did stay in the health sciences. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of alleviated that um, disappointment. Um, 
So I did uh, go into uh, studying nutrition. I took a nutrition class on the recommendation of a friend and I loved it. Cause really? T- yes, because I found I'm like, it's, it was just so practical, mm-hmm. the knowledge that even if I decided not to go into a career in nutrition, it was pl- practical information um, that I could apply to myself in terms of how to be healthy, how to eat well. Um, you know, we did food science where you're learning how to make bread using all the different, you know, learn, you know, with the ratios of fat to oil and uh, baking soda and so forth. I mean, that was all like useful information, useful knowledge. Um, and, you know, I was always kind of a proponent of natural health and, um, you know, more of a holistic nutrition. So I uh, pursued that. I went and did my master's at Bastyr mm-hmm. University in Seattle, which is a naturopathic college. And so I got kind of the conventional nutrition education at UC Davis and then was able to balance it out at best year with a more holistic approach uh, okay. focusing on whole foods okay. and cooking and food as medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went that route. I um, continued to become a registered dietitian uh, just to keep my options open in terms of job options. Uh, there's a little bit more opportunity for if you have an RD versus just being a nutritionist. Um, you know, I dabbled in clinical nutrition, working at a hospital for a little bit and quickly learned that um, I did not want to do that. It, you know, clinical nutrition is very specific with working with, you know, individuals who are ill, um, mm-hmm. acutely ill. And um, sometimes it's a matter of, you know, they're just um, tolerating two feedings and liquid nutrition. Um, I really wanted to look at the prevention of of those chronic diseases that people were suffering mm-hmm. and working with food. Um, so I went into public health. Uh, I worked for WIC for several years. Oh, okay. Head Start, um, and then more recently with the SNAP program. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you find, what did you find um, stunning about working with um, folks in that economic level? Um, it's a struggle. It's really hard to eat well. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many factors involved um, in terms of ac- food access, availability, um, literacy, um, and education. Um, but at least with the WIC program, I found that there was a motivation um, because we're talking about feeding your children, mm-hmm. right? And everybody wants to do the best, do for the their best children. they can right. for their children, right? So you know, it doesn't always out and sometimes that was fr- frustrating um but you know where we were teaching uh new moms you know to breastfeed to mm-hmm. uh, choose healthier snack options and so forth um helping them during their pregnancies to eat well to kind of set the stage for the future mm-hmm. um it's definitely it's truly a you know it's a challenging population to work with and um because there's so many factors against you yeah like you know, uh, you know uh, access, um, transportation, transportation. Uh, food deserts, exactly. um, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I did that for a while until I started my own family and um, took a break for a little bit to go for a while. How many kids do you have? I have two children, two okay. children, eleven nice. and eight. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. That's right. In the, that's the beginning of teenage years are coming. Yeah, between <laughs> years. Um, Do they have phones? <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> I know, you know, they, I, when my kids were, 
the rule in our house was you had to be a teenager before you could get a phone. Yeah. But it's but it becomes younger and younger, right? Because yeah. they they have more activities and and it's easier to give them a phone so that you can track them and be in touch with them than not. Yeah. So no, it's it's definitely a balancing act. And I know. It's a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're cooking at your own home, are you are you are you do you look towards your roots in terms of what you fix, cook, prep? So I try. Um, so I'm not. Uh, well, I mean, I'm much better now because I've, I, you know, been trained in cooking and so forth. Um, but um, it took. It has taken me a long time to become an intuitive uh, cook mm-hmm. uh, and not have to rely heavily on recipes. Mm-hmm. And the thing with Indian cooking, it's very intuitive. Um, and my mom is an amazing cook, and she, you know, we grew up eating Indian food, but she was also great at making you know italian food and chinese food you know she tastes something at a restaurant like oh i can make that and then come home and do it Mm -hmm. um so and you know she never followed recipes it was all a little bit of this a little bit of that and that's like black mothers (laughs) telling you that's that's like black mothers and black grandmothers (laughs) right so so whenever i attempt to make indian food with that kind of a little bit of this, or if I actually try to get a recipe from my mom, uh, <laughs> it just never comes out right, and I'm always disappointed. And then, I, so I kind of, um, I kind of gave up on mm-hmm. that. So I'm like, if I'm going to have Indian food, we'll either <laughs> go to her house. Go, yeah, I'll I mean, she's in her. California, so I don't um, get to have it often. But um, or you know, we order. Um, but I do like to experiment. I do like to try recipes, and you know, it's it's a matter of practice. Mm-hmm. And so I just. I haven't practiced Indian food as much. I mean, I can do some basic, mm-hmm. basic dishes, but, um, you know, I just kind of try different <laughs> things and that's all right. It, you know, <laughs> yes. it comes out. I like actually, I, I like to bake more than cook. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I try to, uh, bake with, you know, whole food ingredients, um, all natural, you know, um, good quality ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, and, so it's enjoyable and there's no guilt involved because I, I'm a firm believer that when you use real food, yes, um, that you don't have to worry about the calories mm-hmm. and you know the sugar necessarily because real food satisfies you in smaller quantities. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I, I just I just came off doing um, the whole thirty mm-hmm. um, program. Yeah, and I loved it. Yeah, I just so I'm going to go back on it because. I enjoyed it so I lost twelve pounds, and I wasn't Wonderful. even working out or anything. I was just cooking every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a chef by trade. I don't cook professionally. I haven't yeah. for twenty years, but yeah. um, or thirty years. But um, but I it gave me such pleasure to sort of spend the time prepping and cooking. I had forgotten mm-hmm. how how much I enjoyed that. Right. You know, not cooking for like lots of people. Like I don't yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> but small, you know, intimate kind of thing. Right. Uh, I enjoyed it, so yeah. I, I understand what you when you say uh, real food. So right. you, you you know, and you're cooking qua- the best quality that you can buy, and you're right. cooking it and preparing it um, that you don't worry about um, the calories or sugar or all those right. things because you're not you're not putting that in. Right. You know? I mean, even um, you know, even the food that's considered you know quote unhealthy, like when you make it yourself and go through that effort to make 
you know, whether it's like fried chicken or homemade donuts or something, one, it's a lot of work and you realize that, you know, you're going to maybe do it once a year or yeah. something like, you know. <laughs> yeah, because, we're not making donuts every day. <laughs> right. But it is, it is it's work. a process, yes. right? It takes time. And, um, and then when you go through that process, so it's, it's better to, if you want to enjoy those treats occasionally or those indulgences that you uh, make it yourself yeah. uh, because one, you will also control some of the ingredients that might not be the greatest, um, but you see what goes into it and then, and then you make it, you enjoy it mm-hmm. um, at that time. And then go on back to eating more whole foods. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. If you just joined us, I'm here talking to Samaya from uh, Sanctuary Kitchen at City Seed. And we're just having a conversation about Sanctuary Kitchen, what they do, their mission, and a little bit about her and her background and uh, and what's next. So what's what's the best lesson you've learned thus far in this process, in this whole experience? I know there, there, hmm. uh, there must be a lot. There's but... a lot, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd have to think about it a bit. Um. Or what moves yeah. you the most? I think, I mean, the it's it's been the community response, mm-hmm. I think, uh, that, you know, as as much as you hear all the negativity in the media. I mean, because you're a Muslim woman. Right. And so that comes with a, all, a whole host of whatever, you right. know. Right. Um, and a whole host of people's thoughts about Muslims and why they're here and why they're right. here. And, right. And, you know, you hear so much... Um, you know, about, you know, the hatred, the racism, the uh, the bigotry that's out there. It's mm-hmm. in the media. I mean, it's not even far from New Haven. You know, things have happened. There's been, you know, a mosque in Meriden was uh, shot up um, last year. Um, you know, those elements exist, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they're not far. And I, I personally know, you know, other Muslim women, other individuals who've been physically, uh, experienced um, that hatred and that racism. Um, but what I have found through Sanctuary Kitchen is that majority of the people are not like that. Mm-hmm. And um, at least in this community. And, you know, the community here is eager to support, to show solidarity, to help um, prevent that kind of racism to seep into our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means, you know, attending our events. Uh, it means promoting our events, supporting us, um, supporting our new immigrants and new refugees, whether mm-hmm. it's helping them um, find jobs, um, helping their children um, get an education, um, you know, providing, you know, economic opportunities for them. Um, again, like I said, these are like tangible ways. I mean, every, you know, so many people are very generous. You know, they support, you know, they send money for humanitarian relief. They, um, uh, but here in their own backyard, they can assist and they can support and they can help and they can volunteer mm-hmm. with this community who's been affected by war, for example, or um, help them with food access and so forth. So to see that, like with my own eyes, over and over and over again, uh, it's it's just amazing. You know, it's soul filling and it's. Um, it really motivates me to do more, Mm -hmm. to do more of it and continue. And I'm so proud. I mean, we have an amazing team um, that works with Sanctuary Kitchen, um, you know, from, you know, folks who've been working with refugees for, you know, decades, 
um, both locally and abroad um, to people who are involved with food access mm-hmm. and food security. Um, and, you know, there were this really strong group of women specifically mm-hmm. um, and assisting mostly other women as well um, and empowering them. I mean, we do have uh, male refugee folks who participated, but majority of our participants are women. And this is a very viable economic option for them. Yeah. Um, and something that they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of them are very talented home cooks. Um, and um, it didn't necessarily work outside the home uh, from wherever they came. Um, so this is a new opportunity for them to empower them, to for them to become independent, to really, you know, um, share their voice mm-hmm. uh, through food. That's wonderful. I love this whole concept. So um, how often do you talk to other similar programs around the country? Uh, lately, it's been almost a weekly. We get contacts. Um, in fact, yesterday, I was on the phone with organizers of, uh, they're called Comida uh, in New York City. Mm-hmm. They run the Displaced Kitchens, and they are hosting a refugee uh, food festival Whoa. next weekend in New York City. Wow. Uh, from, uh, what is it, the 20... 20- 22nd, 20, mm-hmm. uh, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. And they want to collaborate. Uh, wow. And um, I get called, I got an email from somebody in Canada saying, saw your work, we want to do something like this here, can you advise? I have another individual who contacted us. She's coming back from working in Jordan, working with refugees there. Uh, Syrian refugees in Jordan. Um, she's coming back to Texas and wants to start a program there. Um, we have, um, you know, reached out um, and to other groups who are doing similar work in Seattle, in New Jersey, in New York, in um, the D.C. area, um, you know, to get ideas and help and, you know, how did you do this and how do you manage this? Mm-hmm. So it's been... It's a very collaborative effort. Um, there's so many people who've been involved, um, you know, so many community groups, uh, restaurants, local chefs who've helped and facilitated. So this is so important because to elevate these kinds of stories is necessary to combat all the negative stories. Right. Because I think if you're fed a steady diet mm-hmm. of negative stuff, then you, you don't know how to, you don't know how to behave when, you know, you're confronted with people who are different right. or, you know, their cultures are not yours. And, and so these kinds of stories, I think, are quite hopeful. Right. And actually, one of our goals at, at our launch that we were um, asking the guests to get involved with is, you know, right now, most of our attendees to our classes and events are people who are in support of mm-hmm. the work that we do. They're in support of refugees. They're in support of new immigrants. Um, but to have those individuals bring their, maybe their family members or friends who are not necessarily, um, in support of the type, this type of work or for refugee rights Whoa. or for immigrant rights. Um, that's interesting, you know, because right now we're kind of preaching to the choir, right? Right. right and, right. but it's the people who, you know, maybe have never met, um, a Muslim or have never met. Uh, interacted with a refugee or a new immigrant before and who have these preconceived notions about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but by coming to the, together or meeting them in a comfortable 
setting over food that's fun and enjoyable. Um, you know, it's a way to break those barriers mm-hmm. um, to hear their story on a human level uh, rather than just read about it. That's wonderful. I like so that. We're hoping. Well, that's what we're kind of trying to like encourage our guests to, you know, bring a friend who might might benefit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from meeting somebody. So you're different. gearing up for uh, for activities and events this fall. Yes. We pretty much um, have stuff planned out for the next three months okay. uh, um, between our regular programming as well as uh, requests from other community groups and uh, individuals. Mm-hmm. So uh, the most immediate is we do have a class on Sunday that is sold out. Unfortunately, most of our events do sell out within a couple days. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have, I couldn't get a seat at the table. I was like, "What? We have, Why is uh, it sold out already? I just saw it." <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, that's the that's the demand. But and that's good. Yeah, that's, I, it's, I'm happy. It's for a that. great problem, um, and we are trying to keep up with the interest and the demand. <laughs> um, so we have two uh, women from Afghanistan teaching a hands-on cooking class on their traditional dumplings that they make. Wow. Um, and like everybody has a dumpling. Yes. Every every culture has a dumpling yes. yeah. dish, right? Yeah. So and there's a particular like one of my favorite dishes. Wow. Um so that is coming up and then we have um so we will have, you know, we're going to have another class next month most likely. It will be uh it's not confirmed all the details yet, but most likely it'll be a tamale making class with our <gasps> uh, Mexican The best immigrant. tamales I ever had. I was in California. Yeah. Well, and I had not had them since. <laughs> so, well, this uh, Esther, who's one of our cooks, um, this would be her first uh, cooking experience with us. But we sampled her tamales, and they're, <laughs> they're like, amazing. "Yes, this is a go." Um, so, supper clubs? Are we? Are you doing clubs, some of those? Uh, there's a couple private ones. So, when we have supper clubs, you know, we open it up to community members to host them. Okay. And um, and we let the the host kind of decide whether they want to open it up to the public um, or keep it uh, private with, you know, individuals that they know personally. And we've had a, you know, kind of a combination of both as mm-hmm. well. Um, so we are hoping to have a public one uh, either next month or the following okay. uh, so that to allow for, you know, a broader audience. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to be um, hopefully doing another pop-up restaurant with Atticus in December. Okay. Um, so that will be that that's pretty big. It's a big, you know, it's like 60 to 75 people wow. that we can accommodate. So allows for, uh, they don't, those don't sell out as, as fast. They, you know, last time we did sell out event, you know, within mm-hmm. maybe a week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but the suppers are smaller groups, you know, we're looking at 12 to 15 people. Um, our cooking classes are also around 15 people. Mm-hmm. demos are a little bit larger because it's more of an audience uh, style so we can um, fit almost about 20 people at the city seed kitchen okay so you know they do f- fill up pretty quickly but wow um but so you're busy tuned. yes busy and it's not even been a year yes <laughs> we have five minutes harry <laughs> wow that went fast i know it goes fast. it goes by fast it goes by fast so how do you want to mark the year because you got some time to think about this. You got oh, to get I'm month. trying to get through next month. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, you know, that's a good question. Um, we are hoping by April of next year, um, we are, um, 
the participants who go through our kitchen incubation program will be ready to uh, start their businesses. Wow! So that would be that would be huge. Wow! Um, so that's well, you have to have goal. them come here so we can talk. To yeah, them. yeah. So we could just have a good conversation about the experience, right? You they know. Would love that. I mean, we have a couple who've uh, one, you know, Tegan interviewed one mm-hmm. uh, Fatima um, a few months ago. And um, some of them need translation help, which we can, you know, if we have enough time, we can arrange for that. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Well, Tegan's my good friend. I'm on her food squad because <laughs> I have a severe dairy allergy. So I have to eat a little differently than most people. Okay. Um, but yeah, but I'm a foodie. So yeah, I love to eat. Yeah. And this is a foodie city. And it that's is. why Sanctuary Kitchen is doing so well. And I know it's so you popular. can eat around the world in this city and never leave. Right. Like there's all kinds of food. And now that I'm finding out there's a, these smaller pockets of communities that you know places that I, I probably won't get to in my lifetime but i certainly can eat their food yeah i'm yeah. so excited by that so yeah. you know well i'm so glad you could come on today well, thank you for this having is wonderful to talk to you and i'm sorry my colleague wasn't able to make that's it, all right but. you 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 more than held it down <laughs> and i am such a fan of sanctuary kitchen so thank you. i'm gonna do my best to support it so thank you well thank you so much all right thank you harry for producing And uh, stay tuned. We got uh, pundits up and you know it's going to be a wild ride. I'll see y'all next week. (laughs) Thank you.
Wheels keep spinning to the moon. 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 W